Thank you for tuning in to Carbondale Historical Society's podcast. This episode is part of our This I Remember audio archive. This archive are interviews conducted in the 1980s and 90s by Mary Ferguson, a longtime resident of Carbondale, born in Spring Gulch. These interviews aired on Katie and Kay and were recently donated to the Historical Society by Mary's descendants. The Historical Society wants to thank Katie and Kay, Seven Stars Rebecca Lodge Number 91, Alpine Bank and Meredith and Dan Bullock Ferguson's family, as well as the many other donors and volunteers who came together to save these tapes and make them forever available to our Carbondale community. Enjoy. This I remember, KDNK, firsthand, secondhand, and otherwise. The Potato Day theme for this year is a salute to Western women of courage. Tonight, I have Marion Jacobs Stott. Anyway, excuse me for mispronouncing your name, who is here, and we're going to really discuss a woman of courage, Marion Jacobs. Marion Hudson, tell us something about your mother when she came to this community and all of the things that she has done for all of us. Well, first of all, maybe I can tell you when she first came to Colorado from Cleveland, Ohio in 1895 and she landed in Canyon City where her father was supposed to have had a job which did not pan out. So they spent their first winter of 1895 in a little log cabin up in the hills donated by a friend, then came into the Colorado River Valley, first of all to Newcastle, where they lived on Canyon Creek for a time on what was known as the Devereaux Ranch. Meantime, my mother, Marion Jacobs, had gone to school in Rifle, then had spent three, three months in Meeker, her last year of school, then came back to Glenwood and the Canyon Creek area. She finished her school here in Glenwood and <clears throat> then in the fall of 1901, she and her mother, who was teaching school on Beaver Creek out of Rifle, went to Buena Vista to a teacher's institute. Came back after a month there and in the spring of 1901, she taught school on Crystal Springs. I'm sure you know where that is. I taught there also. <laughs> and uh, she only went there to teach in March, taking someone else's place, I have no idea who, and taught until June. Then in the fall of 1902, she taught at Catherine, and also in 1903, ending there in 1904. And in 1904 of June, she married Ed Jacobs and moved at once to their ranch near Elgebel and lived on that ranch for 46 years. That's a long time. Yes, <laughs> beautiful <it is>. time. <laughs> Raised a family of five children there and in the meantime she was very much interested in the things that were going on in the valley and also in Carbondale and it, I'm sure, it, I know, that she never missed a potato day from then on until 
the last year of her life. She had a very active part in Potato Day. We always depended on Marion Jacobs for so many things during our early Potato Days. Yes, she helped to organize quite a few of those yes, things. Yes, she did. And then uh, when did they move? When did she move to town? She moved to Carbondale in 1950, in June of 1950, and lived there then until her death 15 years ago. Did um, you kids go to school with Salt, or did you come to Carbondale? We went to school at Algebel. Oh, at Algebel. That, that was our grade school, and went through the eight, grade, eight grades there in a little country school at Algebel. Then rode horseback to high school in Basalt and finished high school in Basalt. Seems impossible that years ago we used to ride horseback to school. I drove a mare named uh, Mabel from uh, the Sweet Ranch, which is now the Anschutz Ranch. And I parked my mare and buggy over here in the Dinkle Storehouse at that time, which is gone now. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I think back of the kids going to school in this day and age. Well, yes, <laughs> and when bus. I think of, uh, <clears throat> like when my mother was teaching at Crystal Springs and then at Catherine, of course she had all eight grades. She had to do all the janitor work. She had to keep the place clean. She had to build the fires. She had to do everything that is now done for everyone. Yes, every, all you have to do is go to school. That's all you have to do. And it's hard to believe that one teacher could handle all eight grades, but they did get a good education, as you know. Well, I found with my experience, I also taught at, at uh, down on Divide Creek, mm -hmm. and I had the eighth grades. And I learned more than they did that year because I had to just be one jump ahead of the kids. Yes, and some of them were probably as old as you were. Yes, they were. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. that was the way with my mother. Then when she did come to Carbondale, before that, she had done substitute teaching several times in the Roaring Park Valley, but I don't believe she did after she came to Carbondale. can't remember that she did. Well, she was always on hand when we needed her. We needed someone to tell us something, not only uh, people, but animal life and birds. She would be ready and she always brought a sample of something to school and held the attention of the kids. Well, they really loved to have her come. Well, I'm sure they did because she made everything so interesting because she was interested and she kept up with everything. She was an avid reader you might say she was very much self-educated. She was really a, a remarkable, a remarkable lady. Now, uh, I know Keith taught yes. also. Yes, and, and then before him, Alla had also taught. She had taught on Missouri Heights for two years before she married Edis Fender. And then so. Keith taught for many years at Newcastle, then or at Silden, then at Rifle. He taught at Rifle a long time and until then, he retired. Well, then he taught in Carbondale then also. He had taught in Carbondale before this. Yes. Mm -hmm. yes. So it's there was a long history of teachers back of me because my aunts, grandmothers, and brothers, a lot of people taught. Well, that's to me, that's the only profession. But you know, if I hadn't been a teacher, I'd like to have been a carpenter. And you probably would have been a good one, too. <laughs> Very good. I do like to 
hammer up things. Yes. My mother was good at that, too. Yes, she was. Yes, she was. She was good at many things. She also took a great interest when the, the medical clinic was going to be established and helped get the yes. doctor here and get that established. Yes, she worked very hard in all the uh, money-raising, fundraising uh, campaigns that we had. And we could always depend on Marion Jacobs. Yes, yes. If she belonged to anything, she went into it heart and soul. And the study club and the extension club and the garden club. And the so, Eastern Star and the yes. Rebecca's. She belonged to all those things. And she uh, she took an active part. She wasn't just a member. She oh, was no. very active doing yes. all the things that that she could do. Yes, she certainly was. And did more, I mean just did a lot of little things that probably weren't noticed but I'm sure were highly appreciated, you know. And she worked at the near new, enjoyed that immensely. Just um, joined in everything that was possible to join in. She belonged to the to the great books club and and enjoyed that. She subscribed, even when we were children, she subscribed to many, many magazines and read aloud. We all read aloud at home. No TV, no radio. That's what we did was read. That's what we used to do at our house. We would read to the kids, and then when they were old enough, they'd read to us. Mm -hmm. Which was an education in itself. Very good for everyone. Now we turn on the TV or the radio. (laughs) Uh And don't learn nearly as much. We learn a lot of things we shouldn't be learning. (laughs) That's very true, we do. And up until the time she died, she was still belonging and going to most of these activities and taking part in everything in the area. How old was she when she she passed? Ninety-four and a half. Ninety-four and a half. Mm -hmm. And up until the last three months, she was pretty much up and going. Yes, she was very active until... well, until her very last day, for yes, that matter. Yes, she really was, just as alert as she could be, even on at the very last. Well, I'm sure if she could see our fair and see our potato day, I think she'd shake her head. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> potato day isn't as it used to be by any means. No. It was so different then, because I remember her bringing vegetables, flowers, things like that to potato day. She was also very much interested in them flower show. We had a flower show in she August. and Alberta Seabury. Mm-hmm. And oh, she brought every kind of flower she could find from miniatures to huge bouquets and brought them down in her car and then rearranged them when she got here. Took many prizes at the flower show. She was very good at that. We have some very beautiful gardens now. Oh, yes, you do. But we don't have our flower show. No, and it's too bad, really. Yes, because... So many people have so many uh, different varieties that we didn't have at that time. Yes, and at that time we had varieties that I don't see anymore. No, you don't. No, I remember we used to go to to Albert Seabree. Seabree. Uh huh. To her house and looked her garden, and she had a flower there called the Swedish Lady Slipper, which was fantastic, and I've never seen it anywhere since then. My mother then got a start from her and would bring them to the flower shows, too. And we had so many dahlias at that oh. time. Dahlias are hard to raise and they're hard to keep. They're hard to keep. And uh, But uh, Joe Crothell used to 
raised dahlias. Of course, he had bees, so that was to his advantage to have all the flowers he could have. Yes, indeed, and he had some beautiful ones, too. Yes, he did. He took great interest in them. Even when my mother moved to town, she had a flower garden as well as a little vegetable garden and always had a bouquet of flowers on her table. She was very fond of flowers. A very wonderful, very smart woman. My father always had flowers, but he wouldn't let us bring them indoors. He says if the Lord meant us to have flowers in the house, He'd arrange to have them there. Yes. <laughs> but we have always had flowers everywhere. Outside, mm -hmm. yes, and still do, I'm sure. Yes. Very beautiful ones. Yes. I often think about my mother and her interest in um, Indian lore and Indian things. She had quite a collection of Indian artifacts, some that she even brought from Cleveland, Ohio, that she had found, found when she there. was a girl, when before she was 10 years old. I know she had quite an arrow collection. Yes, she did. A great Because one. she would bring us to school and explain all the things, and the kids just loved it. Oh, they f were fascinated by it. And she knew. She knew where they came from, and she knew a lot of things about those arrowheads that a lot of people don't know. And I'm not sure whether that collection is at your museum now, is it? No. Our museum is the little jail, uh, and so many of our things are in boxes. Mm -hmm. I hope if I live long enough that Carbonell will have a real, a, a real museum. Yes, I hope so. Well, it was her wish that eventually her collection of Indian artifacts would go to the museum, so I hope it will someday. It probably will. I hope so. And she knew a lot about that. She went out many, many days hunting for Indian artifacts in this area. Yes, over there on Red Hill, and then over here by the Crystal River, uh, we have uh, quite a few things that that were found right around here. I'm sure you do, because even on our ranch up there by Elterbell, when uh, we would be out picking potatoes, every once in a while we would pick up an arrowhead, or they would plow up a burn spot where there had, uh, had been Indian fires campfires. Oh, what do you know? Yes. And she That's was always on the lookout when we were in the potato field looking for, and we all were as far as that goes, very conscious of it. Well, you would be yes. living with her. You, you, you had to be. Have a mother like her, yes. indeed, yes. What, uh, what are you doing now? I know you've always been busy also. Well, I have my house in Glenwood and a big yard, and I have a vegetable garden and lots of flowers, and enjoy working out there and keeping it going. It looks pretty good. I can't compare with my mother, but then <laughs> I try. Well, keep, keep it trying. <laughs> yes, that's all I can do. But it keeps me occupied, and I enjoy doing it very much. There's uh, so many things that people can do, and it, it aggravates me when somebody says, well, there's nothing to do. Oh, there's always something always. to do. There's never quite enough time to get everything done. That's what I have found, that look around and there's so many things that need to be done and that you can do even though like I have uh, this little cane that I carry along. You can still do a lot of things that you enjoy so, doing and that are a satisfaction to you and, and make things look better and do better. Well if I if I weren't busy I'd weigh 300 pounds <laughs> in a very short order because when I'm excited or frustrated or angry or lonesome 
I see what I have in the frigid air, and whether I like it or not, I'll eat it. Yes, well, <laughs> I think maybe that's a habit we all have, but as long as you're busy, it just means a whole lot. It certainly does. I was going to say, my mother was such a, a teacher that all of, our, of the, us children could read and write before we ever went to school. Of course, there were no kindergartens. Yes, you know, we, we didn't have right into the first or grade. Or little daycare centers that they have yes, now. Yes, nothing like that. But she made sure that every child could read and write before we went to school, which we did. And of course, That's... like I say, we walked a mile and a half to grade school and then rode th um, three miles and a half to high school, which we thought nothing of in those days. Everybody did that. Rain or snow? Oh, no matter Rain. what. And cold? Yes, indeed. Took our lunch in a bucket or something and ate at school. And of course, she did that when she was teaching, as you know. You had to take your lunch and eat a cold lunch at school. Glad to have it. We had a pot-bellied stove at Missouri Heights when I was teaching there. And I would always take milk to school. Mm -hmm. And we'd have hot chocolate. That was nice. And, uh, on a cold day, it was, well, it was a picnic. Well, of course Snowing it was. outdoors, we were inside warm and cozy. Just as happy as could be. Yes, indeed. I remember at Elgebel when I was going to school there, and I have pictures that shows that. We had, of course, just the one room, the one teacher, and there were 36 pupils. Just That's hard to believe that one teacher, and most of the teachers were young, young women just out of school. They didn't have to have a college education. No, then you could time. teach on a state certificate. Yes, and at 18, they were yes. teaching. And like I say, a lot of the students, my mother often said, were older than she was and certainly bigger. When she taught at Crystal Springs, she stayed with a lady named Mrs. Huntington. Oh, yes, I, I, I know the Huntingtons, mm -hmm. yes. Then she, when she taught at Catherine's, school, she stayed with staff acres. Yes, I know them too. So I'm sure you know who they were and where they lived. And of course, it wasn't too far to walk to school from there to the Catherine School. But walk, of course, she did. What do you think of Elgebel now? Oh, it's just uh, overwhelming as to what yes. has happened there. There was nothing there, you know, when I went to school there. Some farm families and that's farm all. Farm families and that was all. And at that time, the Midland uh, Railroad ran right past there, you know, and uh, it there was just very few farmers. Well, farmers, yes, but they were three and four miles apart, and just very hard to believe what's happened there now. And the schoolhouse is long gone. It's too bad, really, but it well, is. Uh, the uh, district, our school district now, is looking to perhaps build a, ba a school there. Because in Algebel. Yes. Yes. And when I was still teaching here, we used to send a bus to pick up just Algebel kids mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then send a second bus to pick up the farm kids that oh, lived yes. in between. Mm -hmm. Yes, and just think that I was just reading in the paper the other day where Algebel counts their population now at 3,000, which is more than Salt has. And of course they need a school there, but where they're going to put it, I have no idea. I don't know. I remember when the one one farm was there, where Elgebel itself yes. is right now. Yes. 
And uh, who was living on that farm when you knew it? The Comries. Yes. See, that was they were um, grandmother and grandfather to my husband. So the I didn't were, know that. Uh -huh. And when my father took up this place where they, where he and my mother lived. That uh, had belonged to a man named Gillespie, and he had lived and taken up quite a bit of land in that area early, and then sold it off in parcels. But there were were no buildings on the place at all when my father bought it from Gillespie. And I was, you know, we lived in a very modest little log house for five people. It was very small, and it was built. Be right after 1900, the first three rooms. And then in 1910, my father went up on Basalt Mountain and hauled logs with a team and wagon and built on three more rooms, all log. And I was very pleased to learn the other day that the man who has bought that property and built a huge house down on below the original farmhouse is going to restore that farmhouse. Oh, isn't that great? Oh, I think that's wonderful. That's no great. No one has lived in it for a, a number of years, and I saw it three years ago. It looked bad, and it made me feel bad, but I'm so happy that he's going to restore it. The logs must be in very good shape, or he couldn't do it. Well, I think, I think that's something that the community should know about. Yeah, I do because too. I think it's just great. They should contact him, I think, in order to find out more about it because I was told by a third or fourth party that this was going to happen and when it will and how much he'll do to it, I don't know. But there are so many of the early day homes, as you know, that have been destroyed or have gone to ruin and to preserve any of them is a great thing. My mother would have love to have been in on a part of, this. of that yes she would well i uh, grew up in spring gulch and it was quite a mining town at one time oh yes and now there's a log here and there showing where a house used to be yes where the store used to be and all that but for the most part it's just almost completely almost. gone and unless you know that there was a a town there, you wouldn't realize the size of it. When I first saw it, there were, there were quite a few buildings there. We had a two-room school. The first four grades were in one room, mm -hmm. and then the other four grades were in the big room. Yes. And we had a two-teacher school. Who taught you? Do you remember the name? Yes, Dr. Gill's wife, mm -hmm. Mrs. Gill. Mm -hmm. Was your teacher. I and, see. Uh, we um, we were afraid of her, but we respected her. Of course you did. And when <laughs> she said counted. something, we listened. Yes, and that was good. You learned just that much more. Yes, indeed you and did. Our, did she teach you for several years there? Yes. The reason I'm asking this, my husband's aunt, Pansy Callahan, taught up there, I think, in 1910, if I remember what he told me. And whether she taught more than one year, I don't know, but she did teach at Spring Gulf. I think she was the upper grade teacher. She could have been, I have no idea, but I know she taught there. Was teaching there, I believe, when she married Martin's uncle, who was um, George Hotz. 
time marches on, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness, I should say and it does. And just... our time has marched on also. I would like to have you come back again sometime, Marion. And if you do find out anything more about the cabin being restored, I'll let us know, know about it. I certainly will, Mary, and thank you for having me. I have enjoyed every minute of it. This is Mary Ferguson, as I remember. My guest has been Marion Jacobs Hutz, and uh, you will hear more of her life as well as her mother, Marion Jacobs. Thank you for listening to another fantastic installment of This I Remember by Mary Ferguson. For the full archive of all of the episodes, please visit CarbondaleHistory.org. If you would like to be able to search through the entire transcription library of all of her episodes, please email info at CarbondaleHistory.org. Thanks so much. Stay tuned. Subscribe.